Welcome to this edition of Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Our featured guest today is Tim Draper, legendary Silicon Valley venture capitalist and founder of Draper Associates, DFJ and the Draper Venture Network, a global network of venture capital funds, often regarded as one of the most successful venture capitalists in the world. Tim is a major proponent of Bitcoin and decentralization. Tim is a graduate of both Stanford University and Harvard University and holds two honorary doctorates from the International University and Trinity College of Dublin. In 1985, Tim founded Draper Associates, a seed stage venture capital firm that helps revolutionary entrepreneurs impact the world by propelling their businesses to greatness and directing their visions through funding, education, media, and government reform. Some of his most prominent investments include Skype, Twitter, Badu, Hotmail, Tesla, SpaceX, DocuSign, Coinbase, Robinhood, Ancestry.com, SolarCity, and Focus Media. Tim is a leading spokesperson for Bitcoin, blockchain, ICOs, and cryptocurrencies, and one of the earliest investors in the internet. Tim expects that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies will be the primary means of payment in five years. Tim also won the U.S. Marshall's auction in 2014, where he bid on 30,000 Bitcoins and has invested in over 50 crypto companies as well. Mr. Tim Draper, welcome to this edition of Life's Tough, uh, but Bitcoin makes it easier. Well, I think so. I think Bitcoin's gonna make it a lot easier. Uh, right now, every time you swipe your credit card, you're paying two and a half to 4% to the banks, and they're all loving it and living large on your money. But uh, Bitcoin creates a frictionless, open, transparent, and, uh, and uh, decentralized world and we're all going to be so much better off with it so uh, as it's starting to spread uh, we're all going to be better off so yeah life's going to be easier I mean think about it. when you are um, let's say you're a millennial and you just get out of college and you go wait I'm two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt because of this education that they pushed me through um, and they're saying you know I I think I don't want my my, this isn't my father's old, Oldsmobile. I don't think I want my father's currency. I think I want something new. And so if you ask somebody sort of less than 35 if they'd rather have one Bitcoin or $8,500, they'd all take the Bitcoin. But if they're over 35, they'll say, I'll take the dollars. And I think this is one of those times where all of a sudden there is a new way to operate. Uh, imagine that, being $200,000 in debt, coming out of school thinking, hey, I'm ready to go, but the, the schools have taught you ancient Greek and some you know, classics or whatever, and they, you're not prepared for any job out there, you're gonna be looking for something else. And this is the something else. This is a new technology, it's better than your grandfather's old mobile. And how did you find it, or did it find you? Well, I found it, um, and it found me. There were two, two different ways. One was I've been looking for digital currency for years and years. In 2002, 2003, I met with a guy from um, Korea, and he said that he was playing this game 
And it was such a big deal in Korea, I think it was called Lineage. Uh, it was such a big deal in Korea that he said, um, I have to hire, an have, hire a guy to be my avatar when I go off to work because I want to survive in this virtual world as well as surviving in this real world. And it got me thinking that, yeah, there's going to be a virtual world and a real world. And that virtual world is going to have its own real estate and its own currency and its own social uh, stratums and whatever else. And I want to succeed in those. So, um, and I thought it would all come from the games business. That's where it, you saw it initially. But it didn't really happen there because they wouldn't, nobody could translate you know, 300 gold bars in one game for, you know, some super currency in another. They, they didn't figure out how to create that translation. But it doesn't but seem like Bitcoin came. All of a sudden, you didn't need the game. It was open and transparent and completely um, ready for the world and didn't, didn't require any translation. So that was pretty exciting. And this wasn't the first time that you found something where we're an early adopter innovator. I was told a story earlier that you had heard about some rumors about HDTV before most people. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tim, this seems to be something hey, that you did. You did you some find. deep research. I did. That, that was a long time how ago. How did you find out about this stuff, family? How do you do I it? I just follow my nose. I, I meet a lot of people. I get to meet entrepreneurs. They're all looking five, ten years out. Every time I run into a um, new entrepreneur, I, I ask them what they do, where they're going, why they care, and then I start to get an understanding of what's going to happen. I don't, what's going to happen five or ten years from now? I'm not too good at what's happening right now, <laughs> but I'm really good on what's going to happen five to ten years from now. And you have this side. You were a visionary, Michael Loeb. Uh, he had said that. The people that he looks for to bring on to his team are people that are willing to cut off their arm, like to do what it takes. Like, what do you think when it comes to these amazing entrepreneurial minds? Now, let me put it this way. I will not cut off my arm for Michael Loeb, but <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am hardworking and I uh, expect that of entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, I always ask the question, why are you doing this? You know, you're, giving up a steady job, uh, your, your social environment will all think you're crazy, that, all these things. And if the entrepreneur sort of says, hey, um, I'm, you know, I'm doing it because, well, I thought it would be interesting, or I, you know, I heard there was a market or whatever, um, then, it's, then I know that's not a true entrepreneur. If the entrepreneur says, because my company said this and I can't believe they, you know, they, they did it all wrong. I talked to my boss and my boss, I told him you got to do this. And he said, no, he didn't get it. You know, that's when I know I've got an So it's passionate people. You want passionate people because well, it's contagious. It's passion around a thing. Everybody's a little passionate about something, right? But it's passionate about something that would be going after a big market and be somewhat unique. It's got to be unique in a marketplace. It can't be like, hey, I'm really passionate about you know, ride sharing. Yeah, but Uber's been here for 15 years. So you know, what are you, what are you going to do? What's different? What's special about you? And this side of you, I, I like to say that, so now today we're finally figuring out this thing called OCD. Now it means obsessive cryptocurrency disorder. 
that the, the, <laughs> that's OCCD. That how did people like you knew this was going to become something big. You knew that people were going to talk about it. That my son's gym coach, when I said to him, I'm heading out to California to do some filming for a cryptocurrency documentary, and he said, Oh, I hold that you knew that this was something that was going to catch on. What do you think it is about crypto that is so exciting to people that have been traditional finance world of stocks and bonds? Well, at first, um, I was just thinking, yeah, this will be interesting in the virtual world. Like, people will be able to trade it in the virtual world. More and more of our world is going virtual. So the virtual world's becoming closer to our real world now. But um, the thing that really got me was uh, when, when the Bitcoin started to take off and then uh, the, the Mt. Gox guys, you know, disappeared the money. I don't know what happened to it. Disappeared. So, the, uh, so I thought that was the end of Bitcoin. I thought, well, pff, you know, it's sort of in its nascent stages and, you know, that thing's gone. But then Bitcoin only dropped about 15% on the news that the biggest exchange just basically disappeared their money. Well, I thought, well, they really need this. And I thought, well, maybe it's just drug dealers or whatever. And then I found out, I did some deep research and I realized, oh my gosh, this is how people can pay people overseas. This is how people, they can, they can remit their money to their families. You actually saw this a use case. This was many. And, you know, the idea of, of micropayments, that you could actually do micropayments. And why do micropayments matter? What well, makes think that about so this. You're in, you watch that Star Wars movie and there, there's 15 minutes, like 15,000 people were involved in that Star Wars movie. Each of them has to get a check in the mail every quarter from Lucasfilm or Disney or whoever. Well, they get this check in the mail. That check costs Lucasfilm about $7 to send. The checks are for like 25 cents. So it makes no sense. So if everybody had a Bitcoin wallet, they'd just drop a little Bitcoin into each of those wallets. Everybody, first of all, be paid the right amount. Everybody knows that there's a real problem in Hollywood with the accounting. Uh, and uh, they'll be paid the right amount. And they, um, and they know they could actually get it set up so that every time somebody went into the movie theater and paid $20, that $20 would fall into the waterfall exactly the way it's supposed to fall. Uh, it's a whole new way of thinking about doing business. There, uh, I mean, I keep thinking in the venture capital business, if I could do a Bitcoin fund, all Bitcoin, and then I fund companies in Bitcoin, all their, uh, and then they pay their employees and suppliers in Bitcoin, then, um, all the accounting would be done. It's all on the blockchain. It's already done. I don't need an auditor, a bookkeeper, an accountant, people who are surrounding the thing, problem, creating weird you're problems. You're talking about major, dis you're disrupting. This could be really a big deal. Uh, but the way, but uh, the governments are a little behind it because I tried to do that. I tried to start funding companies in Bitcoin and they, they make you pay a, a tax on the capital gain from what you bought it for, what you sold it. They're, they're doing it all wrong. They should just do a small transaction tax or something. They should do something that, is, that really simplifies the taxing of crypto. And it's, it's a new thing. It's new, it's Everyone's exciting. Everyone's trying to figure it People, out. It can, uh, crypto can be a great thing for, um, for uh, UBI. Like you could, 
it's, it's amazing for things like airdrops. Think about your, you're trying to save all those people in Venezuela from their bad dictator, right? Well, so you do a big airdrop of cryptocurrency there. You do a big Bitcoin airdrop. Um, instead of handing the leader a bunch of money that then doesn't quite you don't know get where it's to going the people, to, absolutely. Um, all of a sudden you do an airdrop. All the people are, have money and they can start operating in Bitcoin instead of working in, um, in Venezuelan bolivars. You know, they don't have to use the local currency. They can actually build an economy outside of that bad government. This is a really exciting time. It is, it's a very exciting time. You know, one of the things that I was with uh, last night at another innovator, we were talking about what does a foundation do that's parked with 10, 20, 30, sometimes billions of their own tokens that you just can't go liquidate. I mean, if you did, you, you've got a problem in the market. What, what about a, a potential solution, I said to him, being why don't you open up an insurance fund and say we will back the market with our token and so you will pay us as your, let's say, we're, we're going to be acting as your, uh, your insurance carrier. And you give us and we will give you in the event that this happens. So now you have someone buying 60% or 70% of what's left of their foundations. Um, and there's no need for liquidation because now the price is, is rising. That it seems that there will be the next, next idea coming to this from the crypto scene. Yeah, well... That's an interesting idea. The, the one I'm always thinking about is uh, if you have an actuary, one actuary, um, uh, Bitcoin, smart contracts on the blockchain, you can actually, oh, and a little artificial intelligence that catches the fraud. Um, you can actually set up this very lean insurance company. And if you have a lean insurance company um, first of all, you can beat out all those other insurance companies who keep advertising to you on TV. But, uh, but what's really even more interesting is that governments, I sort of broke this down, governments are kind of big insurance companies. They've, they, there's healthcare insurance and, and workman's comp insurance and pensions and whatever, those are all insurance. Well, that could all be done on the blockchain. And so you could, in effect, ha have governments competing with each other with these insurance programs. So we don't have to get our health care insurance from the same place it's delivered. Uh, the health care is delivered. You, we don't have to uh, have our pension. Our pension doesn't have to be tied to some geographic border. It can be open and across border and That's wherever. And, and governments then have to start thinking, how do I compete? for these people. Which as they should be doing. You bet. I mean, the rest of us do. Dicta yeah, and I would say that, and this is me saying it, not Mr. Tim Draper, but this seems to be that the cartels of the world, the big banking conglomerates, did not give a beep about charging massive percentage points on a transaction, and now all of a sudden they're coming up with solutions and lowering their fees. So it seems that people like you, Mr. Draper, are the one who's really saving you know, uh, Susie in, in Mexico or, or Tom in Ohio or Bill and all over the world that it was because of innovators like you that are forcing them to change. Well, it is fun to see the banks, how, how they are responding. And they're kind of going through the seven levels of grief. At first they go, it's not here. They deny there, there is something that is better than the dollar. Uh, and then they kind of go, oh boy, they, they keep coming. 
and then they, they line up against it and they say, okay, well, we're just not gonna let it in. Um, and so all the banks kind of line up and then a few of them break rank or, or kind of go, well, you know, this really is better. Maybe we should use it to provide better service to our customers. And those ones are gonna be the ones who are around 40 years from now. The ones that, are, that won't break, break rank are the ones who are um, destined to uh, fall from grace. Fall from grace. And I think, the, um, I think it's true of governments too. The governments that are accepting of Bitcoin, like the Japanese government said, Bitcoin's now a national currency along with a yen. As soon as they said that, all the entrepreneurs went, whoa, maybe we should go to Japan. This is really cool. Uh, and China went, no, no Bitcoin. And then, of course, they went through their levels of grief, and now they're kind of going, yeah, well, I and guess we need it. And now they find on it. the forgery side, on companies like VeChain, that are making a difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's great about these, these um, cryptocurrencies is, um, you know, people go, well, they were all used for all these criminals. Well, it turns out, if you want to be a criminal, you should use cash. Yeah, this is too trackable. Because you, I mean, all of this is right on the blockchain. If you do something, sure, maybe you get a Bitcoin payment in your, your Bitcoin account, but now all the U.S. Marshal's office is watching that account. And as soon as that moves, they move on you. And you're, you know, you're kind of out of luck because it's right there. And are they watching all the time now? Oh, absolutely. Tracking everything. Oh, absolutely. I, I would assume so. It's, it's much easier than tracking dollar bills. So they now have the tools to be able to tap in and download all that data and watch it. I, I would assume so. So let's take you I back to the early days. So now we know where Tim is today, mm -hmm. but before you became this, Mr. Draper, what was your first job? First jobs were things I did on my own. I mowed lawns and painted trailers and did, I did a bunch of sort of odds and ends for uh, my family and for my, my relatives. Then I um, <laughs> I picked a bunch of apples and sold them on the street. Really? Where, yeah. where, where was this? Where, where, where'd you live? This was in, um, in the Silicon Valley, not far from where I live today. And, uh, and I, but it used to be a bunch of groves here. It yeah, didn't no used to be, there. yeah, it didn't <laughs> used to be <laughs> before like, it was Silicon Valley. Right. Um, and I remember, you know, selling them, selling them, selling them. And my friends would come and go and they'd drop in and they'd go, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm selling apples. And then they'd come and they'd go. <laughs> and, apple sales and then um, my Did friends. Did you sell applesauce as my well? My friend's mother. I should have. That's, ooh. My friend's mother came and said, and I was, it was near the end of the season. And, I, and she said, well, so, you know, how much have you made? And I said, $8. And she said, let me see that. She takes the $8. She hands $1 to each of the friends who had ever been by and looked, and then hands me $1 and takes two away from me. And I thought, what, what is this? I did all this. <laughs> I did it myself. You yeah. know, maybe I could yeah. give a dime to a couple of these guys, but you know, I did it all myself. And I thought, that was socialism. That was my See, first experience of socialism. I do not like socialism. My six-year-old tells me all the time, sharing is caring. I go, right. and she took the, the two, which is just like you? a socialist government <laughs> yeah. does. You know, that's right. They take they take the money away, and, and then and they they just don't. So explain you learned why. early on that hard work pays off. Yeah, I mean, you oh, but well, the it hard can. work will pay off. <laughs> it, it, it would have <laughs> if I hadn't had her there. Environments. Yeah, 
Um, and then I had a lot of interesting jobs. I um, worked on a, an oil rig in Venezuela. I worked, um, the, I did some uh, uh, engin electrical engineering design work at CUM. I, um, oh, my first official job was, um, <laughs> I got paid below minimum wage um, at, uh, at a company where I counted integrated circuits, I, these little chips that, you know, I, I counted them for a company. Um, and I just, I, I remember keeping track and I had counted 100,000 integrated circuits <laughs> during the course of the summer. Um, and so I've had uh, a lot of interesting experience. And then, uh, and then I uh, worked at Hewlett Packard uh, and while I was at Hewlett Packard, I uh, created a game called Stanford the Game, which was kind of fun. Uh, and then I went, uh, after business school, I went to um, work at Alex Brown, the investment bank, for about a year. And then I d said, I'm off. I'm, and I started to do my own thing. So and I, ra I raised a bunch of money from the Small Business Administration, how and cool that's that? how I got going. I mean, you're you're self-made. It's this is not, not really. My, no. my dad was a venture capitalist. My grandfather was a venture capitalist. So it's like it was in your it was blood. Sort of the last thing I wanted to do, but I ended but up doing. But you still it. had to. You still had to go out and make it happen. Oh yeah. You had to go make it happen. Oh yeah. You had this to stuff. Create the activity, and you, you had to work and learn. So where do you find the fuel? Where is the fuel for you? Who pushes you? Know, How do you keep going? You know, I, I get to see what's happened because of what I've been able to do. And I r realize that I've got to keep doing this. This is really, it, I, as soon as I realize how important it is, I say, wow, this is something that I've got to keep doing because I'm spreading the good word of entrepreneurship and venture capital around the world. But also we had a hand in, um, you know, we helped start uh, Hotmail, and then I, I came up with a little message at the bottom that says, it was supposed to say, P.S., I love you, get your free email at Hotmail, but it just said, get your free email at Hotmail, because the founders didn't like the P.S., I love you. Uh, but it spread to the, around the world, and we all can communicate around the world for free because of that moment. And, uh, and so I look, and I went, wow, that really made a big impact, and we backed Skype. Same thing happened. That's incredible. And then Elon, my gosh, Elon starting uh, both Tesla and SpaceX. Well, he didn't start Tesla, but he took over Tesla and made it work. The idea of first saving the planet and then potentially getting off yeah, the planet is a hedge. I think what he figured out was, eh, <laughs> it's a little bit more work than you think saving this planet. It's also a lot more work getting off the planet, too. Oh, I too. can't imagine I mean, all the finding a place where you have to go, you know, so figure you, out how to So will you go to outer space? Yeah, that's my plan. But I, I'm sort of going to wait until I'm about in my mid-80s, I think, before I, before I travel to the moon. I think I'll go to the moon. I'm not sure I'd go to Mars yet, because six months? Ugh. Six that's months? Six-month commitment. You can run it remotely, put up, uh, get some screens put up. It's Tim Draper. <laughs> moon landing launch 13. Uh, we're here. Draper Associates there's, there's Moon a Base. Big, big communications delay there. <laughs> I can see, I can see be, you putting up a big they, billboard. I'd be Draper. saying, no, don't fund that. And they will have already funded that's it. That's it. You're going to be not that sure guy. That's going to work. Draper University as right. Moon Base. <laughs> Where do you go from here, Tim? Actually, it's probably more of the same because the venture business gives me such. Um, incredible 
ability to uh, drive change and, and make kind of great things happen. It's kind of one of the things that's helped me. I, every time I fund a company, I kind of have it in my head, how is this great? How is this really great? How is the world going to be better because of this? And that tends to be a good investment criteria. Ends up being good. And how many companies have you invested in over the course of your oh, career? Oh, probably a thousand. That's and, a lot. And about 35 have become unicorns. Uh, the rest uh, are on their way on the, or on, didn't on, I, quite I make it. it. About half of them die. Half of them die. Yeah. And for yourself personally, what are your personal goals? All right, you've, you've already made the money. It can't be more $1 more. I'm like, yeah, at some point, money is not going to and building this, like, what are your personal goals? What do you want to be known as? What do you want your legacy to be? Well, I think it has yet to come. I mean, I think we've, I've still got a lot, lot more uh, fuel in this tank. So I think I'm, I'm not quite sure what that legacy is going to be, but it's probably from stuff I, I do now, now forward. moving forward. Yeah. That's remarkable. Well, I mean, it's pretty great, though. Draper University, I do think how that, did that, that happen, thing is really. I mean, I. Draper University, you, know, you got a new university. You know, it came, <laughs> came from- That's pretty wild. It, it came from a conversation I had with this broker, uh, real estate broker, Kevin Delahanty. After, you know, after the, the crash, uh, the stock market crash, I thought, you know, they spent so much to pull us out of this, we're going to have inflation. So I was wrong about that. I mean, there has been a little, but it, I was wrong about that. And, uh, but it made me go, I said, well, what should I buy? And he said, well, there's an old building here that's been boarded up for eight years. And it was the old Ben Franklin Hotel and maybe you want to do something with it. And then I was talking with my son and he came up with the idea of a school. And I thought, well, a school, I've always kind of wanted to try that to build a school. And so, um, and then I thought, well, the only school I could possibly create is, is uh, a school for entrepreneurs, because I, otherwise I don't know very much. And, uh, and so when I did it, I thought, well, wait, what are entrepreneurs? Well, they're taking long odds at extraordinary outcomes. So they're heroes. And so I thought, Draper University of heroes. And I didn't want to take entrepreneurs off their game for more than about five or six weeks. Um, I know schools are usually, universities usually four years. But I, I thought, you know, I really only want to get them fired up for about six weeks. And then I want them to go and blossom and do whatever it is that they do. And so we have a program that's about five weeks that's hero training. And then we have a program called Go. And there's hero training is just five weeks of like you do all these crazy things and you get you get good at teamwork, you get good at leadership, you, you get um, you sort of understand how hard it is to be an entrepreneur, but you're, you're thrown into uncomfortable situations. We have survival with Navy SEALs and Special Forces. We have, you know, <laughs> that sounds fun. We have, I, I tell them they've got 24 hours to get a job offer on paper and come back. Uh, That's they, cool. You know, so this is something you really enjoy, too. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, so that ends up being about... 15% of my time. 15% of your time. So how yeah. do you decide where your time goes? I just have to be watchful and see how impactful each, uh, each meeting is, each moment is. I think that's a, 
big part of it. How many emails over the course of a day or a week does Tim Draper you receive? You know what's really funny is I, I used to use the phone all the time and then I figured out that I could send 200 emails in the time I could make 30 phone calls. And I thought, well, that's more powerful. So that's what I do. And texting takes more time because it's all this back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. So I don't do that. You don't do texting. Not you text, uh, you're an email guy. Yeah. And because email is like, get it done, get the message across, make it clear, and then uh, more business can get done. So, um, but the amount that we get, we get 20,000 business plans a year Holy God, here. And we do about 20 of them. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the 20 you received, have there ever been one where you're like, wow, like that was on brilliance level or were those the unicorns? Yeah, there have been a bunch that are on brilliance level that didn't work out. And but does that drive you crazy? You're like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's usually, people, it's usually people oriented, like the founders blow up or the um, company doesn't manage their money well or they get too much funding from somebody else. I never give them too much fun. No, you them just a little it's less than enough. what they asked for. <laughs> yeah. And what is it that you look for in, in a leader? What is your definition? Well, you know, it's, it's two things. One is there's this internal passion that isn't always like cheerleading passion. It's like, mm, I've got to get this thing done. And, uh, and then uh, it's the best leaders are sort of steady on the tiller as they go through the tempest. It's a little like, you know, um, dealing with teenagers as a father. Uh, you wanna, their emotions will go high and low and high and low and you'll never be able to rise as oh, high or fall as low. my kids are young, don't low. tell me this. Oh, this sorry is... about that. <laughs> anyway, here's your, here's your- Here's my future. Here's huh? your future, steady on the tiller. Just go through the tempest, steady on the tiller because so many things are gonna happen to you as an entrepreneur, you're gonna be hit with all sorts of setbacks and all sorts of things that don't work and people issues and all sorts of uh, customers that drop off. All these things are gonna happen to you and you've just gotta keep the mission. You gotta keep to the mission and go forward and say, we're getting there, it's just a matter, we, we had a little setback, it's gonna take a little longer, let's keep going. Those, were the, those are and have been the best entrepreneurs. And the ones who have enough personal confidence so that they, um, uh, so that you, you kind, they kind of attract people to their mission. They, people kind of go, hey, I want to join that mission because that guy is so, you know, charismatic or he has that thing and he's so into it. And I want to be into something too. And were people always drawn to you? Was there always this connection where you led and people People came up behind. I mean, was this something that always well, been a part? I often lead, and nobody comes. They behind. don't want to come with you. Huh? <laughs> but yeah, sometimes they do come, and when they do, you know, it's usually a great adventure. One of my best friends, actually my best friend, um, 
other than my wife. Oh, the thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on um, yeah, he, he says, he says, <laughs> yeah, you go on an adventure with Tim. You're lucky if you're back in three days. Uh -oh, that's, that's his it. thing. Uh -oh. It's like, wh what are we doing? Why are we <laughs> going? Are going? What are we doing? Seriously? So you just get these ideas. Like, I just got to go do it. Got to do it. I got to figure Absolutely. out where this is going. Absolutely. It's part of the fun. <laughs> it's actually part of life's fun. Sure. Is the, is the great adventure that you have. And then trying things and sort of going, huh. Well, that didn't work. Hey, let's try something else. Let's try this. Oh, hey, this is working. Um, the thing I need to train myself to do is when it's working, just pile on. Just go, go, go. Because when it's working, I kind of go, oh, well, that's working, so I don't need to, you know, let me go focus on something else. And that I've got to change my mindset because if, if I've got a super great winner going, I should just be you know, keeping piling it on and all in. So I've done that with my most recent fund. I've created a discipline for how I'm going to do that. You seem to create more work for yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah well, what else am I going to do? It's like, it's like, my, my uncle, a number of years ago, he's a cardiologist, and I was complaining about time. And he goes, Dust, I got five kids. I'm the chief of cardiology. And I've never run out of a minute to do the things I really want to do. Oh, that's great. And I think that's fascinating. So here's a cardiologist saying, I've never run out of a minute. And you seem to keep finding the minute to do the things well, you really so want to do. Well, there's so many. I mean, here, you got a new day. What are you going to do? You know, you got a lot to do. There are plenty of things to do. I, I find that the, the probably may, may have been Nike's just do it or whatever, but it's like, just do it. Just do it. See Pull what the trigger. happens. Just do it. See what happens. And if, if it doesn't go well, you kind of go, oh, okay. That was a learning experience. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story with us, Mr. Draper. Terrific. Thanks for having it. me on the Thank show. Sir. Thank you, sir. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. As with Mr. Tim Draper, there's always one minute left in your day to do the things you really want to do. I challenge you to find that minute. Use that minute to better your life to find your purpose, to bring you to a new destination, a new place. And as Star Trek said, to boldly go where no man or woman has gone before. This is Dustin Planet signing off from the Alston Carlisle studio here in Baltimore, Maryland. We hope you enjoyed our show. 